Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Darlene Duggan. Darlene is the Director of Operations for the Treehouse Humane Society in Chicago. She attended the University of Chicago and holds a master's degree in public health with a concentration in epidemiology and biostatistics. She has worked in the animal welfare field since 2005, holding various positions with the Anti-Cruelty Society in Chicago, including volunteer director and special projects manager, as well as serving as operations manager for Chicago Animal Care and Control. Darlene also worked as a shelter engagement consultant for Pet Health, Inc., helping many shelters across the country optimize their operations and use of sheltering software. Darlene is focused on implementing meaningful statistical analysis to more effectively manage Treehouse's cat population in an effort to save more lives. Darlene lives in Chicago with her husband, three daughters, two much-loved dogs, and a recent addition to the family, a cat. Darlene, welcome (laughs) to the show. Hi, Stacy. Thank you. So what an incredible bio. All that epidemiology and biostatistics kind of scares me a little bit, but it's an incredible journey. A little bit before your education, Mm -hmm. where did you sort of get the, I would say, the bite of passion for animal welfare? I would absolutely have to say just we grew up or my sister and I grew up in a home that embraced animals and we always had dogs and we always had cats and um, we come from a long line of animal lovers. So that was always an interest of mine and went to school, went to college, went to graduate school thinking that I was actually going to medical school. And while I was about half foot in the door, um, I realized that I enjoyed my volunteering time at the shelter much more than I did anything else that I was pursuing at that time. So kind of at the last minute did an about face and took my epidemiology and statistics background and said, well, you know, I bet I can apply this in the animal welfare field and be much happier there and knocked on the door of my local animal shelter. And here I am about 15 years later, still enjoying it and still loving what I do. I have to ask you this question before we take a deep dive into Treehouse and their programs. Sure. Because I've admired Treehouse for for many, many years, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show. It's always been a, a leading organization out in Chicago. I've read so much about it, so I'm very excited about that. But one other thing I have to say is um, I have two children. You have three daughters. Obviously, you have animals. You've got dogs. Mm -hmm. Now I've got a cat in the house. I've had plenty of cats in my house. What is your secret to the balance success? Oh, the work-life balance or just the life balance. Absolutely. (laughs) Something that I'm continuously working on, but um, just lucky to still have a supportive family. Couldn't be doing this without my parents. They help us a lot with taking kids to and from school and picking them up and and helping when when kids are sick. And to be honest with you, one of the things that I love about the work that I do is I get to incorporate all of my girls because my human, my two-legged girls, as well as my uh, four-legged are all girls into the work that I do. So a lot of times, 
times if I'm working weekends or if I'm out in the community, I take them along with me and it's special events for my work. So um, they are very much growing up in the animal welfare field as well. And they think it's the greatest thing when on a late Saturday night, I have to run into the shelter to grab a paper, or do some work and they get to come and cuddle some kitties while I'm here. So, so that really, really helps that it's doing something you love. It doesn't feel like work. And that's definitely where I come from. It's very funny. My kids are now uh, 14 and 22, but... Still a challenge. Still a challenge, though. (laughs) But as they were growing up, the one thing that they really enjoyed saying was people would say, well, you know, what does your mom do? And they'll be like, oh, she runs a cat shelter. And it was definitely an answer that most kids did not hear on a regular basis. And it was a conversation starter. I am quite certain that my daughters have introduced me to their friends or to whomever as the crazy cat lady. And I (laughs) love it and I embrace it and and we all giggle about it. That's excellent. That's excellent. So, so we, when we were talking a little bit before we hit the record button, we were just talking mm-hmm. a bit about Treehouse and that it was founded in 1971, as much longer ago than I thought. So it's had a longstanding tradition in Chicago. It has, yeah. And it's kind of positioned itself as one of the leading cat shelters across the nation as well. And it's always been progressive in its thought and in its structure and kind of its application of animal sheltering. So that's one of the things that I love about Treehouse is that it's always been historically and currently a step ahead of where the rest of animal sheltering is. For example, when the shelter was founded back in 1971, it was one of the only A, cat shelters around, but be cageless facilities as well. And of course, we continue that tradition today. So it's it's always been very well rooted in Chicago, but on the national scene as well for a lot of different reasons like that. And when in the history of Treehouse did there become a, a strong focus with regards to community cats? You know, I'd say that started, it kind of started organically through the years, but I think it really ramped up in the early 2000s. Again, it was at a time shift in animal welfare and just in in thinking critically about the pet population and the overpopulation. And at a time when a lot of shelters were still bringing ferals in off of the street and trying to either socialize them or they were being euthanized at that time. So Treehouse saw that issue and stepped in and said, well, there's got to be a better way to manage this. And that's when we really started focusing and turning our attention towards the community cats model of treating of TNR and colony caretaking in the community rather than forcing those cats into the shelter environment, which they just didn't fit into. Then later on, there became this focus on cats at work. Mm -hmm. There was a book written about the Treehouse Humane Society or about the Outdoor Cats program. Yep, yep. I had reviewed it probably about a year or so ago. And it's very... I found that book to be a very interesting documentary about sort of the life of a few cats that have been relocated into a neighborhood in Chicago. Was that something that developed in the early 2000s or was that the Cats at Work program that's something that became more popular later on? Yeah, that's something that definitely came more popular later on and following the evolution of being in the community with our CATS program and trial and error type of of situation it grew from. And when we started this community CATS focus, we realized that 
some community cats needed to be relocated for a variety of reasons. Most often, it's there's a threat to their environment. We're in the middle of the city of Chicago. So oftentimes, a building is being demolished where they currently are taking up residence or issues like that. That was one of the head scratchers for us is, okay, well, what are we going to do with these cats? They are not safe where they are. So we need to move them. So then we started considering finding other caretakers in the city or in the area that could take on this colony. Um, And that's really where the concept grew. I'm not giving away any secrets here, but um, the city of Chicago has a rat problem, as many large municipalities do in large urban areas. So it kind of was a natural fit and one of those, you know, light bulb moments for staff here at the time. Well, you know, we've got people with rat issues with rodent problems and we've got cats that need to be relocated because their safety is threatened. So why don't we relocate them where they can essentially do a job of managing the rodent population? So that naturally progressed into that way. Um, Some of our first clients were actually businesses in the city that had, again, rat problems. We're in a lot of breweries. Um, Rats are attracted to the grain that the breweries store. And so, again, it's just a a very natural fit. So the the Cats at Work program for Treehouse really developed and really got going probably in the last five to six years. So it's a relatively new program, even though there may have been some relocation of community cats before that time. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and now it's just a much more purposeful relocation here. And, you know, we always kind of say that it's a win-win-win for everybody. It's a, except the rats probably, it's a win for our organization because we're able to, to help more cats. It's a win for the cats because again, these are the ones that are being relocated are ones that are just not safe where they currently are. And then it's a win for the homeowners or the business owners because there goes their rat problem as soon as the cats move in. So we keep everybody happy. We're proud to be an affiliate of Space Kitty Express, makers of handmade refillable catnip alternative cat toys. Think Valerian, Silver Vine, Honeysuckle, etc. for the discerning cat who wants to try something new or doesn't respond to catnip. You can even get 10% off your purchase at Space Kitty Express by using the code COMMUNITYCATS at checkout. Help your kitty blast off today with some new toys from www.spacekittyexpress.com. Did you miss the 2018 online cat conference that we held in January? Or would you like to share some of the conference webinars with friends? You can now purchase the presentations and share them with colleagues and friends. Just visit our recordings page, which is under the resources tab, to access webinars from some of the leading personalities in feline welfare today. They're sure to give you and your cat-loving friends great ideas on ways to help even more cats. Check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com. I want to just take a quick step back because there have always been challenges, I feel, within Mm -hmm. the organizations that are specifically, I think, very focused on cats only. But you could certainly address this. There's a lot of stresses and strains between resources for your community cat program, your spay-neuter programs, your Mm -hmm. vaccination clinics, as well as the revenues that are needed to run an adoption program. How do you handle the stress, the financial stresses that, that go between those two programs? You're absolutely right. It's it's certainly tricky, but no trickier, I think, than any shelter with any type of various programming. We see our adoption program as 
rather than the adoption program is what runs the shelter, it's kind of in, seen more as an option for community cats. So if you think about like a cyclical cycle pattern, if we have our community cats that are managed, again, in Chicago, we are very lucky to have an ordinance at the county level that allows shelters and allows individuals to legally care for and manage feral cat colonies. If we have our colony caretakers that are taking care of these cats, when we do get socialized cats or we do see a litter of kittens or cats that we're able to take off the streets, adoption is one of the options for them. So rather than the adoption sort of being the base of what we do, it really is seen as an option for our community cats. And so when you shift that focus in that direction, and if you look at it from that perspective, I think the resources follow from that. And so so that's kind of where we stand right now at Treehouse is considering, you know, adoption is a valuable, valuable option and it's a toolkit, or rather it's a tool in one of our kits for managing community cats. But you're absolutely right. The, the resources is tricky. A lot of times the colony caretakers, it's one thing to kind of feed and provide for your cat that you have in your home. To do so for a colony of five to 10 cats on a regular basis is, is hard. So it's even resources for the shelter, it's resources for the individuals who are partners in this community cat model. So that's that's tricky. I think that as a field, animal welfare is still catching up to this concept of community cats. Um, and I'm hopeful that as they do, as the field does catch up, that funding and resources and grant money will follow as well. There's still so much that needs to go into that quasi-owned cat population. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer if we invest our resources at that mm-hmm. gray level, Mm-hmm. that we will be beneficial on both sides with regards to our feral cat populations on one side and then our mm-hmm. sheltering populations on the other. If we can get more services in the group of cats in the middle, I think that we'll see a lot of benefits on, on both parts of that. Absolutely. And I would even take that a step further too and say, again, when you're talking about and considering community cats programs, you're really talking about social programs for people as well. Those two things go hand in hand. And often the folks that I work with on my team here at Treehouse, they'll come back from the field and, you know, kind of recap their day and their experience and say, I talked to more people and educated and conversed with and communicated with more people today than I did actually trapping cats. So I think embracing and partnering with um, social service organizations that can help spur this along is is an area of an improvement for us in the future too. Yeah. And when you're talking about social service organizations, what's, mm-hmm. what sort of examples are you thinking of? No, I'm thinking of social services for people. So feral cats are just as much of a public health concept as they are an animal sheltering concept. So kind of crossing the lines and finding partners in our communities that work with the people in our community, and then we can represent the folks that represent the cats in the community. So civic organizations, religious organizations, hospitals, uh, medical facilities, all of those types of organizations that service people directly, there's an opportunity there for us to sit at that table, for us meaning animal welfare organizations to sit at that table and really bring full circle services to the people and then therefore to the cats as well. 
So we're talking about a next generation for our next steps. So you're sort of envisioning us having an innovative partnership. Um, Maddie's grants is always out there wanting us to innovate and look for different alternatives to be able to help animals out there. So looking at that, maybe an innovative partnership it might be with either a local church or something like a Meals on Wheels program or something like that. Yeah. And those social workers who are the kind of boots on the ground, who are going neighborhood to neighborhood or block by block, you know, finding out what people need from a social service standpoint. There was a group, and I apologize, I cannot remember their name off the top of my head, but there was a group out in Denver that was doing essentially pop-up TNR facilities. And they would partner with dentists or doctors or tax preparers. And those service providers, would set up shop in the TNR facility. And so people would come, you drop off your cat, your dog or spay neuter, and you would get your taxes prepared at the same time, or you could see a dentist or you can see a doctor. Um, so I think thinking a little bit outside of just animal centric partnerships and organizations and thinking a little bit more broadly of how we can incorporate the people organizations as well. That's very cool. I'd like to get my taxes done while my kitty gets spayed. Hey, why not, right? Very cool. I think that's a great idea. And those innovative partnerships are really fantastic and more to think about. Yeah. So being really interested in statistics, I I love Mm -hmm. statistics, Mm -hmm. even though I know they can be very dangerous. We're so busy doing the doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From your standpoint, are there specific components or metrics to you that you find critically important, knowing that, you know, money, time, all of that stuff is of the essence. We don't have much of it, but yet numbers are important important to a certain degree. Are there key metrics to you that at the end of the day you look at, or if you have a magical dashboard, you know, what Mm -hmm, would be on mm -hmm. that dashboard for you? You know, it's interesting you say that because right now we have been just tracking typical shelter statistics and applying those and looking at those at our in our community cats program. And while all well and good, it really is not telling us the full story of what impact community cats is having and what work yet needs to be done. So we're in the process here at Treehouse of reinventing our community cats program slightly. One of the things that we're just about to start now in the fall is literally going going block by block and just starting in one corner of the city and working our way across the city, doing just what I was talking about, really putting our field specialists or what we call field specialists, knocking on doors, talking to neighbors, asking them, you know, do you see any cats here? Do you have any caretakers? Do you have any feeders? And really getting a feel for what challenges each block and each community is facing with community cats. And then we're going to start mapping what type of social service programmers and providers are in those neighborhoods that we're doing these micro experiments in. And I don't want to call it an experiment, but kind of a a beta test program in. And we're looking at what access they have to um, services, again, both on the people side as well as on the animal side. Um, We're going to do little mini cat counts as well to the best of our ability so that we can get a really accurate count in these little micro areas of of what's happening. Um, 
And we're going to try this in initially in different parts of the city so that we can get a, a good geographic representation of what's happening. Because even within the city of Chicago, well, it's just like any large urban area that each neighborhood has its own challenges and opportunities. So at that point, we're going to be looking really, really closely at our data. And again, I, I like I said, I'd like to match up exactly how many social service providers are there? How many churches, how many schools are in the area? Is it a really congested neighborhood or is the population density a little bit more laid out? We're going to be looking at things like how many single family homes are there? How many businesses are there? How many multi-unit residents are there? And we're going to really do a, a, a solid mapping job to see exactly what's happening in each of these neighborhoods and how that translates to what's happening with the cats in that neighborhood. So those are kind of the data points that I'm really excited to start tracking and to start looking at that hopefully will inform us of what kind of broader solutions that we can bring to the city um, on a, a grander scale. Oh, that's excellent. I would call that uh, tribal knowledge to the next level. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. I'm writing that down right now. That's a perfect way to describe it. Absolutely. Brian Cordes has always referred to, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is their tribal knowledge, you know, and yeah. this is, it's the deeper dive. So it's, yes, tribal knowledge 2.0. I think that's, that's yeah, great. And, and that's really what the traditional TNR is all about, is knowing each individual mm-hmm. colony, taking the deeper dive and really knowing that. And that's where you're going to get a lot of your most important information as well as community connections too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's essentially just getting back to basics and getting really elementary about it and, and just starting as if, and I don't want to say reinventing the wheel necessarily, but just starting as if we don't know anything, let's come in and just start from scratch, essentially. So uh, Darlene, if folks are interested in finding out more about Treehouse, how would they do that? Well, we've got a website, treehouseanimals.org. Um, a lot of information up there. We're actually in the process of redesigning our website to make it even bigger and better and more informative. So there's certainly basic information about us there. But then also you can just read the book about us, which is The Community Cats, A Journey into the World of Feral Cats by Anne Beal. And that was the one that you had referenced earlier. Talks about good narrative and also good statistics about um, Um, community CATS programs and specifically our CATS at Work program. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just the overall theme of what we've talked about already is just sort of this next generation of animal sheltering, specifically for cats, has to start reaching into the community cats level. And we have to start considering what services that we could bring into the field for these cats. And traditional animal sheltering methods are not going to serve most of the community cats population. We can certainly pluck those adoptable kittens off the street and cats off the street and put them into our adoption program. But for a vast majority, that's just not possible. Possible. So I think we're not going to solve this problem on our own. Again, animal welfare is not going to solve this problem on our, their own. Social services are not going to be able to do it. We have to team up. We have to get together with our community members, other like-minded people in our community to solve this problem. It's got to be a, a comprehensive solution. Darlene, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. This was a whole lot of fun. Maybe I can come back and talk to you about our data. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 